the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. Always a pleasure. I'm honored. Today is Tuesday, July the 14th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on July 14, 2016, terror struck Bastille Day celebrations at the French Riviera at the um, on the beach at Nice, France. This big truck, you probably will remember the images, I do, this big truck plowed into a festive crowd, killed 86 people in an attack claimed by the Islamic State terrorist. The driver was shot dead by the police. But this truck just barreled onto the beach there. These people were celebrating Bastille Day, which is part of the French Revolution. In fact, in 1789, in an event symbolizing the start of the French Revolution, citizens of Paris stormed the Bastille prison. It was a mob, much like we have in our streets today. They released seven prisoners inside. That was the beginning of the French Revolution. So these guys were celebrating that on um, July fourteenth, 2016, when this guy, this Muslim, pulled in there with his truck and killed 86 people. It was horrible to see, but I remember it well. You probably do as well. Today in 1798, Congress passed the Sedition Act. It made it a federal a federal crime to um, to publish false, scandalous, or malicious writing about the United States government. Boy, wouldn't the press be in trouble today if that was still, or if that was enforced, or if, if it was still in in uh, in the law. Going to be talking a little bit about the press today. They are uh, in high gear in our culture, shaping the course of human events rather than reporting them. We'll come back to that in a moment. Today in 1865, the Matterhorn straddles Italy and Switzerland. It was summited First time with a seven-member rope party. They were just tied together with this rope. I've never done that kind of mountain climbing, but I see these pictures, particularly in the past, where these guys are all hooked together with a rope. And it's always occurred to me, what if one of them falls? I guess everybody goes with them. It's kind of an all-in deal, I guess. But anyway, this was a rope party. It was led by British climber Edward Wiper. They reached the peak. But when they were coming down, four members of the party fell to their death on the descent. Wiper and two guides survived. That was today in 1865. Today in 1914, scientist Robert Goddard, he received a U.S. patent for a liquid-fueled rocket apparatus. Goddard is seen as one of the fathers of modern-day missiles or, you know, uh, rocket ships and so on. Today in 1933, all German political parties except the Nazi party were outlawed in Germany. This was the beginning of a lot of things, including the euthanasia program that 
was basically to do away with everybody except what Hitler saw as acceptable and what he liked was blonde hair and blue eyes. It's an amazing part of history. It happened so subtly and incrementally. Today, 1960, British researcher Jane Goddell, or, or Goodall, she arrived in the uh, in what is now today Tanzania. It was called something else then. I can't remember what it was. But anyway, she began her study of chimpanzees, and she's been a big champion of the of the evolution crowd for years and so on in her writings. Today, 1980, the Republican National Convention opened in Detroit. Nominee Ronald Reagan was speaking. He told the convention, he said, I am determined to make America great again. Today in 2004, the Senate rejected a constitutional amendment banning gay marriage. 48 senators voted to advance the measure, 12 short of the 60 needed. 50 voted to block it. Today in 2014, the Church of England voted overwhelmingly in favor of allowing women to become bishops. That was a big deal for women. They wanted to be bishops. I got this letter, a note actually, from a person who sent a contribution to to this ministry. Thank you if you're listening today. From um, Tucson, Arizona. She says, I keep praying for your program to reach as many Christians as possible that they will start to push back against Satan and his minions. I think that pretty well describes where we are today in this world. There is a war, a battle. It doesn't have to be, there's not, it doesn't require a lot of research to see what's going on in the country today in a general sense. It takes more hard work to get to the details of it or to what's really happening. And that's what we try to do every day on this program. And I can't tell you how many people recognize that. And I'm not suggesting everybody write a note. I am suggesting everybody help us financially. But you can't imagine how many people identify that as their biggest concern. How Satan is attacking not only people, but the culture in general. And he is, because that's part of his agenda. I mean, it is his agenda, is to destroy and to kill. Jesus himself identified that. And so I want to thank all of you who support us, and I'm impressed, and I thank you for your insights. And like I said, I'm not trying to get you to write long letters. I, I read everything you send. We're able to do that if we were you know, a worldwide organization. I probably couldn't read everything, but I can't. I do, but it's a growing amount. But I want to thank you for your comments, and I, I want to thank you for your insight. I mean, I think it's terrific that people can see kind of generally what's going on in our world today because there's a there's a vast group of people out there that are oblivious to what's going on. They, they, they don't seem, based on what they say and how they respond to things, they don't seem to understand the urgency of the moment. I'm talking about Christians. They just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what their thinking is exactly, and I've thought a lot about this, but I, I see so often in the comments that you make, even a word or two with your 
contributions, you get it. You understand what's happening, and you understand the importance of why we're doing what we're doing. I've had a a good life, and it's, well, I'm over 40 now. (laughs) And it's been great. And we've had a ministry, and God has used us, and lots of memories, and many, many people have been impacted for Christ through our efforts because God used them. But I will tell you, I didn't plan to do this at this point in my life, but God spoke to my heart just a few years ago. And we're doing it. And we are doing it because God opened the door for the opportunity to do it through Tom Reed. He was urging me to consider doing a radio program. He'd been reading our blogs, daily blogs that we were writing. And the last thing that I had really been considering was doing a radio program. We were on television for years, every morning, 12 years, every morning, weekday morning. Been on the radio for years, been a pastor, a youth pastor, very, very busy. And this wasn't really something that I had, like this is my goal in life or something, But as, especially at this point in my life. But God just brought it about and... You know, it, it happened, and it, I, I remember Tom said to me at the time, he, he, he said, man, he said, have you ever considered doing a radio program? I said, no, I haven't. I've done a lot of that in the past, but I'm not considering it at this point in my life. And anyway, as it progressed over time, he said, man, would you pray about it? And I said, sure, I'll pray about it. I'll pray about anything. But as I began to pray, God really spoke to my heart about this. And I know many of you sense that. And I want you to know that's where I'm coming from. Whether you agree with me or not, that's where I'm coming from. And that's why this is so important to me, because I feel the Lord really nudged me to do this. Not because I have all the answers, but I do put in a lot of work and time to be as accurate on what we talk about as possible and as insightful as possible. And that comes from a lifetime in the ministry. So, that's where we're coming from. And I want to thank you for supporting it. And if, as this person said, I keep praying for your program to reach as many Christians as possible. That's what we're trying to do. And so if you share this, if you believe what we're doing is worthwhile, if you believe it's helpful, and many of you do, then maybe you can introduce others to listen and we can grow the audience and the audience is growing and the reports we hear are, are amazing. But, Just consider sharing it with someone else, and many of you have, I know. But also, and most importantly, because it keeps us on the air, consider supporting this. If you do, I thank you. God bless you. We wouldn't be here without you. If you don't support this ministry, but you're thinking about it, and you feel it's worthwhile and of the Lord and something worthy of your support, please do. We need your help. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. You may have heard in the news that the Redskins, Washington, remember when they used to play sports before the virus? Well, the NFL football team there has a Redskins. They're the Washington Redskins. And um, they have this logo. It's like a a warrior. Um, 
like a Indian warrior, a Native American warrior. It's been their logo forever and ever. I don't know the history of it. I don't didn't care to look into that all that much, but it has been the history. But it's really come under attack in this woke or, you know, aware culture that, that we have now today, super hypertensified. But they've been telling these the people that own the football team, and I, I don't really care one way or the other, but this makes a point. They're not even playing football. I mean, who knows if they'll play football this year with the virus and all that. But anyway, they've been certain people have been trying to force this team to change their their logo because they say it's offensive, it's racist, because they have an Indian on there. Having grown up in the Yakima Valley of Washington State, where there is an Indian reservation. I grew up with Indians, and I remember some that kind of looked like their logo, honestly. They were grandpa and grandmas to some of the kids I knew growing up. But to me, it's not, I mean, it's kind of was a part of my growing up in the orchards of the Yakima Valley. But it's a big deal to a lot of people, and it, they say it's really offensive, and they're, and they're doing this on behalf of the Indians who are offended. They're, they're devastated, they say. Because of this logo. So yesterday on CNN, this guy, this John King, he's the main guy in there in the mornings. He brought in this black uh, football player. His name is Dante Stallworth. He used to be really good. And um, he's had a lot of personal problems. I was surprised they would use him as an example. He's been He's been charged with DUI and manslaughter and one thing and another. But anyway, they had him in there. And uh, they said, King said to Stallworth, he said, um, he said, proof today that activism matters and never doesn't always mean never. He said the NFL's Washington Redskins are changing the name, the team's Native American logo, a name and logo that so many found offensive and racist. But yet as he said that to the audience of CNN, it's a diminishing audience. But as he said that, I thought, no, it isn't that big a deal because I've been watching some polls. So I go back and look into this. The poll, there was a poll in 2004 by Annenberg. They're, among other things, they used to own the TV Guide and all that kind of thing. It's a, bit, it's a polling company, but it's more. But anyway, they did a poll in 2004 about the name of the Washington Redskins football team. 90%, and they did it among Native Americans. 90% of Native, Native Americans said they supported the name. So they did another poll. The Washington Post did another poll to the same group of people in 2016. The Washington Post found in 2016, 90% of Native Americans found the name not to be offensive. They said, we don't care what the football team... Where is it, did you say? Oh, Washington, D.C. They, they couldn't care less. Yet these liberals, these far-left progressives, have it in their mind that they don't like that logo. And again, I don't care about the logo. But they have decided they don't like that logo, and they're going to get it removed. So they put pressure on some of these big companies that sponsor, like Pepsi and, and uh, Amazon and all these different companies, Nike, FedEx, they put pressure on them and say, this is racist and we're urging you, you're going to lose business if you don't urge 
Washington Redskins to change their logo. So all of that is behind this run-up to this big transformational event in America because now the Native Americans, and, and I grew up with them. I mean, I know them. They were friends of mine and still would be. We just haven't had contact since we're all growing up now. But I'm telling you, I, it isn't that I don't care. It's the, it's just the brash. The, it's not even nuanced anymore. The whole misleading aspect of the media. The Native Americans are not crying out over the name of a football team in Washington, D.C. I don't care if they call themselves the Democrats. I mean, I don't care what they do. But I'm simply saying what the CNN and other all of the other news media is saying is not true. <laughs> because polls taken some years ago and then recently show the same result. 90% of America's indigenous people, Native Americans, or just Indians, as we called and they called themselves, don't care. They just don't care. And neither should we, except the media keeps making a big deal out of it. Fast forward to this week. NBC, they have their own agenda. It all it all kind of coalesces the agenda of all the media. It coalesces around very far left, progressive so called ideology. But NBC, this medical expert on NBC, has been giving a step by step, moment by moment report on the air. He's been on the air at least twelve times in featured art in featured stories because I looked it up. He's been get, telling the public and NBC about his fight for his life, this doctor, medical doctor, and he has the virus, coronavirus, 19, Wuhan. His name is Dr. Joseph Fair. He's a virologist. He's been interviewed, as I said, nearly a dozen times. He's been detailing his struggles, often the interviews are with him in bed in a hospital. His struggles with COVID-19 virus. The problem is he doesn't have COVID. Yeah, NBC, their medical guy. He doesn't have it. They've been misleading the public. Well, maybe they thought he had it and they didn't know. Yeah, they knew. They did. I have sourced this with their own video from their own programs in an article that I wrote today, and you can find it at faithandfreedom.us. I want to talk to you about it for a few minutes this morning because we live in an age of deception. I read from Second Timothy a little bit yesterday about ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of truth, Paul wrote of, of the times in which he, in, in near his, the end of his life, and Timothy was a young pastor, Paul went on to write to Timothy, he said, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And we live in a, in a time like that. Not only are they deceiving people spiritually, but they're deceiving us in every possible way. And this was a deliberate deception on the part of NBC. There's no other way to describe it. The Steve, Steve Krockauer, he 
was doing some research, and he he's the one that first exposed it and said, wait a minute, this guy's had all these tests. He's had five tests. He doesn't have the virus, coronavirus. This doctor's appearance on NBC's Meet the Press the other day on June 14th. He was on there with Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd is their main political guy on NBC. Chuck Todd said, joining me now is virologist Joseph Fair, Dr. Fair, who recently recovered from COVID-19 himself. Dr. Fair, let me start with you because I would like you to share a little bit about your recovery from COVID-19. I'm quoting NBC's Chuck Todd. What should Americans take away from your experience? I don't have any of those underlying conditions, he said. I'm 42 years old, so you wouldn't think clinically that I would be one of those people that would get so very ill. I can say that in seven to eight days prior to me hospitalizing myself when I was doing the self-treatment, that was the worst I've ever felt. I probably spent 23 out of 24 hours in bed. Those people that are young and think they're invincible or people that you just don't think it's going to affect them that that greatly, even if they get it, I can say my own experience was complete opposite. And he's appealing to the camera while he's recovering from the virus. What Todd did not tell the audience that day is that Dr. Joseph Fair, he didn't tell the audience either, that Fair had already been given five tests and all were negative. There's no antibodies. He doesn't have the virus. He didn't have the virus. And they knew it, and he knew it. But they continued. He appeared on the Today uh, NBC's Today Show. He was When he made that appearance, he was lying in a hospital bed where he was speculating that he had gotten the virus through his eyes while he was on a packed airplane, a flight, two weeks earlier. He said this happened despite taking precautions like wearing a mask and gloves, and he went blah, 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 he went on. Finally, after about a dozen television appearances, giving his detailed account of his personal battle with this virus, he finally admitted that, well, they had been negative, but I felt that I had the virus. The story must continue. NBC said, well, we're into this. We got to go with this because it's important. It doesn't matter if he really had the virus or not. What matters is how he felt at the time, and maybe he can help each other. The end always justifies the means in the progressive, secular mind. And that's what our press is today, and they're activists. He identified with those who did. He was able to identify with those patients who really had the virus, even though he didn't have the virus. At about that time, he was on the morning show on NBC and Hoda Kopti, who's probably a very nice person. I don't know her. But she must have had a little truth attack because while they were interviewing him and he was going on about how his, he worked through this and he survived it and blah, 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 she said, well, it just in passing, she said, although you received negative tests for the virus, clearly you have it, like, don't you? I mean, she knew he didn't have it. Co-host Savannah Guthrie, she was listening, not saying a lot. She talked about the doctor's bout with the virus as a, she called it a cautionary tale. I'm not sure what that meant exactly, but it is a cautionary tale if you really want to get to the truth. Generally, the media can't be trusted today. 
because they have a predetermined outcome for most news stories. The outcome or the impression left by the story must serve their agenda or any other given issue that they're particularly promoting, say the logo on a football team. It doesn't matter what it is. It all conforms to their overall agenda, which is downward, not upward, so-called progressivism. What they didn't didn't reveal is first that the, this guy, this doctor, didn't have the virus, and it wasn't like they didn't know or they somehow didn't get the information. It was well known at NBC. It was well known among some doctors. Doctor Fair is known for his long history of seeking attention. He's an egomaniac, to be honest with you. He's the same guy. I kept thinking, man, I've seen this guy. Where have I seen this guy before? I'll tell you where I've seen him. Remember the Ebola scare here a few years ago? This guy was doing the same thing then. He was going around saying, well, I have some of the symptoms and trying to identify with the Ebola virus because it was getting so much attention. NBC knew all of this. They knew who he was. If I know, they surely knew. But they featured him again and again. And again, in your living room, on your television screen, telling you what it's like to have this virus because I have struggled through this and here's the details of my fight. He didn't have the virus. The reporting of news stories are crafted around a news organization's point of view, which is almost exclusively far-left, anti-Christian. Certain points are emphasized, others are minimized, while yet other points are omitted to achieve The desired end. Absent a moral compass, the celebration of relativism as freedom, we live in a culture that generally believes that if you believe something, it's true. Because each of us creates our own truth. We often hear the phrase, you've probably heard it, stand in your own truth, and that's meant to be a motivating comment. But it reflects a popular idea today that is anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-truth. And our kids have been indoctrinated. They've been baptized into that kind of thinking in public education. For a generation, at least. There's a book written by Alan, the late Alan Bloom. On the first page of the book, the title is The Closing of the American Mind. On the first page of the book, he says, There is one thing a professor can be absolutely certain of. Almost every student entering the university believes, or says he believes, that truth is relative, because they've been so indoctrinated. Bloom goes on in the book to make a, a wonderful case about how relativism it undermines knowing the truth in a culture. Yet he, in the book himself, shows that he's misled. He's a Presbyterian pastor. He was. He's dead now. He died a, a, just a few years ago. But the book is a classic until he comes up to the solution, and then he talks about Plato's quest for absolutes and how that is what we should seek, is to seek to have the same experience that Plato had and his search for truth, because the end the end is not really the end. The, 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 whole, the whole idea of, of truth is the journey, and he misses the whole thing. That's the world we live in. Remember Spokane's Rachel Dolezal? She was born to white parents. She's black because she identified as black. She fooled even the NAACP group and became their leader in Spokane. Made national news. 
Even Time Magazine calls this situation we're in today a a moral morass and a values vacuum. It's because we will not embrace the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. I'll see you tomorrow.